some people have a fulfilling day job and then they go and they climb mountains. I happen to want to just stay in my chair at my laptop <laughs> and write about flying bunnies. Making of Air Hairs, episode one. Welcome to our podcast. We are the co-creators of Air Hairs. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm Megan Bungaroth. I am Tim Bungaroth. I am co-creator and co-founder of Air Hairs, which is a entertainment intellectual property created by my wife and I. I am the uh, lead scriptwriter and executive producer. I'm the chief marketing officer, and I also run this podcast. Megan was my biggest inspiration for writing Air Hairs, not only as a character in capturing her spirit and her personality, but also the journey that she and I have gone through uh, personally together as a couple and through our careers and through our lives. So that's what we're going to talk about today in episode one of Air Hairs. We just want to give the backstory of how Air Hairs came to be. And I guess that starts with a quick summary of how Tim and I met and got together. We met in college. I started a film club. I was the president. I was the secretary. We lasted about three weeks before we just started officially dating and watching movies together. Yes without anyone else. Yeah, that's pretty much the history of film club. <laughs> so we've been together since freshman year of college. After college, I started a theater troupe called A Festival of Fools. I was the artistic director and Megan worked on the production side. I was also the playwright and we worked with a lot of our friends from college and we produced a ton of great classical and neoclassical theater all throughout New York City. Let's say the first play that we did for A Festival of Fools. The first production of A Festival of Fools was Christopher Marlowe's Dr. Faustus, wherein I played the titular role and Megan, my not yet fiance at that time, played the role of Mephistopheles. So before I proposed to her, before I was married to her, I sold my soul to her on stage in Prospect Park, specifically the Music Pagoda in Brooklyn, New York City. I don't think you knew at the time that that was a legally binding agreement. Well, it wasn't legally binding, but it was spiritually binding. It was. Contract. It yes. was. So we lived in New York for seven years and we produced a lot of plays together, and I went to grad school and became a journalist. And then five years ago, we decided to move to Chicago, which is where Tim is from and his family is here. We moved to Chicago in the dead of winter. We were very excited to be here and starting our new lives and starting a new chapter, and we were also quite broke. And yes. we spent a lot of our time in our first months getting pan pizza from Mariano's grocery store. Yes, the Ravenswood Mariano's on Lawrence Avenue, the flagship, before it was bought by Kroger. This is not important <laughs> to the origins of Air Hairs. <laughs> it is. It's, so, we would, so we would buy, it was like, 
You could get a, a whole pizza for 10 bucks, and we get a veggie pizza. It's a very good veggie pizza. Very they no good. longer make it. They no longer make it. Very sad. But we'd get a veggie pizza. We watched Twin Peaks. We also would play this Star Wars game called X-Wing Minis. I am also a major Star Wars fan. Over the course of us moving, I was going through a period in my artistic life where I was beginning to figure out what I wanted to do next. Uh, one of the impetus for going to Chicago was I was enrolling in graduate school there. I was going to get my MFA in writing. I was also a major fan of Star Wars and writing fan fiction, or as I put it, spec scripts. So in the middle of this time where we were eating pizza and playing X-Wing miniatures, I'm also writing Star Wars fan scripts and honing my craft as an animation writer for children's television. And specifically, I was writing for The Clone Wars. We start playing a Star Wars tabletop game where I played the Empire and Megan always played the Rebel Alliance. One night we're playing and I have the Y-Wing. It's on the table. I'm just really crushing it at X-Wing Minis. Every roll is a hit. Tim can't defend against me. I'm really just annihilating his TIE Fighters. I know one word on the Y-Wing itself. It is a ship that is slow and so somewhat of an easy target to hit, especially for TIE Fighters. Any normal pilot flying a Y-Wing against a number of TIE Fighters is in a bad spot. So for a Y-Wing to single-handedly continually evade a squadron of TIE Fighters would require the prowess of an, an extraordinary pilot. Tim, in frustration, says to me, Who's flying this Y-Wing? And I said, it's Captain Rabo. Who is Captain Rabo? <laughs> well, I'm sort of Captain Rabo. Throughout our whole relationship, Tim has always nicknamed me various rabbit names. Babs. Babs. Bunnies. Bunny rabbit. Every variation you can think of. So I say, it's Captain Rabo in that plane. And then it dawns on me, of course it's Captain Rabo. She's an extraordinary pilot. She's an extraordinary pilot. No one else could fly the Y-Wing in such an, an expert manner. We have this joke, and we have Captain Rabo, and we keep talking about Captain Rabo. And the next time we play X-Wing Minis, Tim has gone online and created this special character card for Captain Rabo. It shows a little bunny with flight goggles on. She's got her little paws on the flight yoke and her abilities are just far and away the most powerful of any character in the whole game. Yes, her, I believe her card squad point total is about the same as six or seven ships. And her special ability is that if she misses, she can just roll again until and again. Until she hits. Until she hits. So Captain Rabo is this spirited little bunny. She's unbeatable, essentially. She wears, She uses a booster seat. She does, <laughs> yes. And we talked a lot about, does she have opposable thumbs? Or how does she fly the controls? And then we decided, don't worry about it. That's up to you, the listener. You can decide and debate whether or not Captain Rabo has opposable thumbs. There could be a control system where she just puts her paw into molds and then she can just sort of move her paws. Yeah, if we want to get technical about it. Yeah. Which maybe we will, but not on this episode. <laughs> so that's the origin of the character Captain Rabo, and actually we named her Captain Rabo Sun Skipper. Yes. 
is her full name. So it was a character we created and we joked around about and she sort of came to life a little bit in our minds in an X-Wing minis. But that was pretty much it. And in the intervening years, Tim went to grad school. I attended the School of the Art Institute of Chicago where I received my MFA in writing. Also during this time, we started trying to have a baby. Yes. And we were doing that. <laughs> doing that. So we started... Each other, really. Each other. And uh, as ha with happens to a lot of people, it, it didn't happen right away. And, you know, we went to the doctor and they said, just keep trying, which is what you're often told. And after about a year, we were referred to a reproductive endocrinologist, which is a fertility doctor. We went through a series of tests, some more painful than others. But ultimately, what we discovered was that we could not get pregnant because my fallopian tubes were completely blocked. That was about two years ago that we found this out, and that was pretty tough. The other journey that leads up to Air Hairs and its inception was my artistic story arc. After I graduated from the School of the Art Institute, I decided I wanted to pitch a idea I had to a publisher. You pitched them cold. So the story is, I'm also a major video game fan. And what I really wanted to do after graduate school was be a narrative designer. That was the term in my head that I had seen job postings for before I got my MFA. And that's what I wanted to develop. I wanted to be able to apply to narrative design jobs. I loved video games and I wanted to write for interactive medium. I felt like it was the cutting edge of the world where I had been working on classical theater. It was sort of way in the past and I wanted to start applying my, my writing talents to the, the future. I apply for a ton of narrative design jobs out in California. We're living in Chicago and barely hear anything back from anyone. And eventually I decide I want to pitch a publisher on this idea. I think I can turn a very celebrated video game franchise into a book of epic poetry, a la Beowulf, a la The Odyssey. I pitched a couple different publishers that I know had deals with the video game company and they immediately said, you don't have any representation, we can't talk to you at all. And then I pitched another publisher and I got a email back from the customer service department and the poor customer service agent uh, said something like uh, I'm not sure where this goes but I, I'll try to make sure I send this up to chain so I was like whatever I'm not gonna hear back from this company at all until I did I received a, an email from their licensing department and they said we, we read your un, your unusual email, your well-worded unusual email. <laughs> we talked to the, the American uh, division of this company, and they're interested in it. And so began this very long process, which ran concurrent with us beginning to try to have a baby mm -hmm. of putting this, this dream book together. So my life up to that point had been playing video games for fun and writing metrical poetry as my artistic passion. It seemed like I had found this perfect mixture of the two for, for my first major uh, writing credit. So during that whole year, you kept hearing back good news. Every time you heard from the publisher, it was, well, we're moving this up the chain and up the chain. And they were basically saying, this is weird. This is different, but we really like it. We're, we're trying. We're hearing from 
our doctor, just keep trying, it'll happen. And that's the thing that also everyone says to you, you know, when you're trying to get pregnant, it's a lot of, it'll happen when you least expect, just relax and it'll happen. I'm sure it's going to happen. We were very hopeful on both fronts. We really wanted to grow our family and we wanted, I wanted to support Tim's career too, because I think it's important to note that I went to grad school way back in New York, only a few years after college, and Tim worked to make sure I could be supported when I went to grad school, and he's always supported my career. So this was really important to both of us, this book deal. And it really felt like we were going to have a kid at the same time this book deal was going to pop and my career was, was going to go in a direction and a new life was going to start in a way. I wanted to be a father when I felt like I at a certain point had set up myself and set up my life and my career and everything seemed to be happening at the same time and seemed to be going in the right direction at the right time we didn't get good news on either front what happened with the book deal is that it got so so very close to the point where tim was signing contracts and setting up direct deposit forms and writing a lot of material in preparation because um, we were told if it is ultimately greenlit, it would happen very fast. And it needed to be written within three months. Yes. So it was getting exciting. It was getting to the point where we really thought it was going to happen. And we were waiting for the parent video game company to say yes. The American subsidiary had already said yes. Not only did they not say yes, they said the worst thing you can say, which is not right now. So that was the tough blow because it wasn't even a no, it was a no, but maybe there's a chance. Basically, they said it's too fast to try to throw out this year, but we want to look at it for next year. And within that time, the imprint under which it would have been published from the larger publisher folded. It died a long, slow death, mm-hmm. which was unfortunate because at the same time we're watching this artistic baby, so to speak, not make it. We're figuring out that Megan's tubes are blocked and all of the trying and hoping actually never really had a chance because what we found out was that there was no way we would we were able to procreate naturally for those listeners who may not be super familiar with infertility and how it works i'll just say infertility impacts one in eight people it's quite common but there are also many different kinds of treatments and many different outcomes that you can have and often there's a lot of things you can try but in our case because my tubes were completely blocked our only option for us to have a biological child would be to for me to have surgery first to remove both tubes and then for us to do IVF which is in vitro fertilization which is basically where you retrieve eggs they get fertilized make little embryos, and then put them back in one at a time, and then hopefully get pregnant. So that's the oversimplified explanation of what we'd have to do. But in our case, you know, there were no half measures we could take or other things we could try. This was really going to be our only option. 
So as soon as, as we learn this, we are starting to sort of figure out our next phase and what does that next phase look like for us in this new world of figuring out how to have a child. And for me, really trying to figure out, well, what is my next move? Eventually, I, I decided I didn't want to wait for things anymore. We felt like we had been waiting a long time. We had been waiting to find out what was going on with IVF. And we were waiting for someone else to say, yes, you can write about an intellectual property that is not yours. And ultimately, what I decided is I was done doing that. Where I had done works in the fan community of Lucasfilm and was very proud of them and it taught me a lot but after that and then after waiting for this publishing deal I realized that I didn't want to deal with that anymore and I didn't want someone else to say yes to my life and to our lives and I wanted to just go and create and from there is when I decided to go back to the concept of Captain Rabo and build that world out and mix my two passions, playwriting and story structure. Air Hairs is not all written in verse, however, there is a character that does talk in verse, and video games, and that I decided ultimately I needed to make a game, and that game is Air Hairs. Part of that genesis was that you started attending an indie game meetup in Chicago. I went to PAX East. I started getting involved in the indie game community and just looking at all of these different wonderful creative ideas. And one of my major takeaways there was I wasn't concerned about, and people didn't seem too concerned about, oh, is this my idea similar to your idea? Are these ideas too close to each other? Are we in competition? It felt more like, oh, are these ideas similar? How can we get each other's characters into each other's games? And to me, that felt like a really cool community to be a part of. And I was really inspired when I came back from that. And that's when progress of Air Hairs truly started to accelerate. Eventually, I was promoted, which I was very excited about. The two of us just had a little bit more income to throw at creating art assets. And I was like, well, I can buy a $100 Ninja Turtle or... I'd like to cut in here and, and say to the listener that Tim has been oh so subtly hinting that he would like a $100 Leonardo statue replica. Yeah, the, the, the movie, the TMNT movie. He wants like a nearly life-size Ninja Turtle. It's not, well, it's not nearly life-size. It's about, I think it's like one-eighth, maybe one-quarter. A large turtle. A large turtle. It's not something anyone needs. Look like some sort of a large turtle <laughs> in a trench coat. You go into LaGuardia, right? <laughs> the team of Air Hairs is, is inspired by the brotherhood of the Ninja Turtles and their team element. What I wanted to do, instead of trying to write for all these other franchises or find a way in to write for Star Wars or find a way in to write for Turtles or, or Batman, I said to myself, no, I'm going to create my own character and I'm going to use all those influences to create my own world. And Air Hairs is very much a love letter to some of my favorite series growing up, which was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Batman the Animated Series, and the original Star Wars trilogy as well as the uh, Rogue Squadron and 64 game. Captain Rabo is, is very much a female manifestation of Bruce Wayne, Leonardo, and Luke Skywalker. 
we both are in careers now. And when I say careers, meaning the quote unquote day job, the dreaded day job yes. and, and how I think we've both evolved where, you know, I went to graduate school for journalism and I've been a working journalist and an editor for over 10 years now. I really love my work. I also have other artistic work. I write essays. There are so many ways to be a successful artist. Success is not only tied to being able to say your main source of income is also your artistic pursuit. That's one path that is awesome. But as we know, the landscape is changing. There are so many more ways to release work into the world than going traditional routes. What we were have been able to do in the past couple of years is work very fulfilling jobs that we both care about and get a lot deeply. of deeply and get a lot of fulfillment and inspiration from that also energizes us to work on our other projects and to support them financially because we have invested in Air Hairs up to this point because we believe in it, we want it to exist. We hope it eventually makes money, but more importantly, we just want it to reach as wide an audience as it can. This is something that I wrote for her and I wrote for our kids first and foremost and I wrote for myself and I'll continue after this Kickstarter to write these episodes to create in this world and and we'll continue to finance it on a you know a responsible basis <laughs> <laughs> the idea of the sandbox that George Lucas created has, has always been a major influence on me and I wanted to create that type of sandbox I've mentioned being a writer and being a narrative designer but also I needed to create the game from scratch so before I could start doing any writing for the game I knew I needed to design the game so I started working on a game design document after I got back from PAX East the Penny Arcade Expo it's a video game trade show once I got back I really started to develop the game itself in earnest and decided it needed to be a top-down flyer like Galaga or 1942. And I don't know exactly the moment when I consciously started thinking about our infertility journey and how it would influence the game itself, but I believe I was subconsciously doing it because what I didn't want to do in this game for Captain Rabo, and I eventually started calling it Air Hairs, with yes. my rhyme and alliteration background. I didn't want to make it about shooting enemies. I didn't want it to be a what they call in the video game communities a shmup or a shoot 'em up. And I love shoot 'em ups. They're awesome. They're some of my favorite games. They also call it bullet hell. I didn't want it to be a traditional bullet hell game where you're just shooting enemies down and dodging bullets. What I wanted it to be was about restoring life as opposed to taking life and the idea for Captain Rabo blossomed into a larger concept of oh there's this bunny and she's using a remote control air toy airplane that she found to crop dust her carrot crop now it's not traditional crop dusting she needs to water and seed her carrot crop 
I began developing a world where this little bunny would need to get into a remote control plane and make a pass over sort of a, lack of a better word, barren field and seed it and then shoot water at it. Obviously, there is a, <laughs> there, there is a time lapse issue. You don't just seed the ground and then shoot a, a bubble of water at it and then magically a carrot grows. But in the world of video games, for me, that was okay. In video games, you're running around on a baby dinosaur and through the pipes of New York City. No questions are asked. So I figured a, a rabbit flying a plane and magically creating carrots. No questions asked. So I begin designing the game mechanic. And as I'm designing the game mechanic, I also realize, hey, wouldn't it be fun if there are other characters or other air hairs with different abilities some are maybe faster, some are slower, some have uh, sonar abilities to find hidden spots where you can plant carrots. And I really wanted it to be a high score, classic arcade game and make it simple, but really fun and know exactly what it's doing. And somewhere along the line, I realized I was making a game about our IVF journey. I realized the iconography I was working with are rabbits. Rabbits are associated with fertility and life, and they were married into the Easter holiday, which is all about rebirth and renewal. The character's name, Captain Rabbo Sunskipper, it is found out that her given name is Esther Ebbets. So for those of you that are looking into it, her name is Esther, which is a form of Eoster, which is Easter, which is code for she is the Easter bunny. <laughs> <laughs> renewing the land and bringing life and that is what air hairs is truly about once i was able to flesh out all of these ideas in the game design document and i understood what the world was and then i had actually had to go back and figure out what happened to this world why was it so barren in the first place i began to do more research about the dust bowl and the ecological conditions which created it. I decided to create this idea called the Black Blaze, which was something that human beings created, unleashed upon the world, and was so bad that they had to scatter. And then the bunnies are now left to fend for themselves in this barren world where hungry birds of prey rule the skies. I realized that air hairs was also about the idea of saying no to what nature tells you is your destiny. For Megan and I, nature told us we would not have a child biologically. And IVF is the same concept of that little bunny getting in a remote control airplane and seeding and watering her crop. She's using science and technology to circumvent nature. When you do that, when you rise up and say, no, I'm not going to accept my destiny, I am going to work towards a new world and build a different world, you meet resistance. And that is what the Gale Gang represents, and that's what the Bird of Prey represents. And in many stories of technology versus nature, the heroes or the protagonists are on the side of 
nature and technology is seen as the aggressor. In our story, it's different. In our story, we have a small furry mammal. Nature is telling her she needs to accept her spot in the food chain. And specifically, the birds of prey are expect her to stay in her place in the societal order. And she says no. Finally, once I realized the story structure of what this was all truly about, that's when I decided, because I am first and foremost a playwright and producer at heart, so I used the game development document to figure out what the story was in relationship to my personal journey with my wife, Megan, in IVF. I decided, now I need to go and write these as scripts. And that's what I started doing in 2020. Now we are talking about this as we just released our teaser poster for the Kickstarter campaign that will be launching October 19th. We also have sitting on my lap right now, Arthur Bungaroth, a Karen Chi who we adopted and who really became the inspiration for the character Dirk Doggo. That was a character Tim had written in. Loosely based on two other childhood dogs, both pure Cairn Terriers, Trouser, the original, and then Renton, who passed away when I was just starting out grad school. Mm -hmm. And so we found Arthur miraculously through uh, One Tail at a Time, which is a great organization. If you're in the Chicago area, we highly recommend working with them to adopt a dog. Arthur is our precious angel and we love him very much the most cantankerous puppy i've ever met sometimes we think maybe he might actually be 19 years old so we have arthur and we've also been through two rounds of egg retrieval and we have five frozen embryos we're waiting pretty soon we're going to transfer one of them and we're going to see what happens at the same time at the same time we also have tons of art from various artists on Fiverr, pixel artists, comic artists, graphic designers, illustrators, programmers for the game, map makers, a ton of talented people. As I'm building out the world and fleshing out the world in the narrative story and the narrative scripts, our characters are also beginning to come to life in character sheets as mm -hmm. well. So this fall, we're going to be continuing to work on Air Hairs. We're going to launch the Kickstarter. And we're also potentially, hopefully, going to be launching an embryo. A baby. A baby. <laughs> <laughs> Into the air in a remote control airplane. Yes, that's how, we'll, that's how I plan to give birth. Luckily, they'll have opposable thumbs. They will. So well, we hopefully. Hopefully. You know, everything sort of has coincided to get us to this point. We're doing everything we can to get the things we care about into the world. And we care deeply about air hairs, and that's what we wanted to, to share with our listeners about why. So that is the story of the genesis, the birthing <laughs> of air hairs. In future episodes, we're going to talk uh, specifically about how we found our collaborators and artists using the platform Fiverr. We're going to talk about the stories of Air Hairs and how Tim developed the scripts and the story arcs. And we're also going to talk about 
what we see as the future of air hairs and why we think Kickstarter is the best way to launch it. We'll also talk more about our dog, Arthur, and share photos of him on Instagram. We want to thank you for listening to this inaugural episode of Hold On Tight. If you are interested in learning more about air hairs, you can go to airhairs.com. That's A-I-R-H-A-R-E-S.com. You can sign up for our newsletter and we don't spam you, but we'll send you updates. You know what's going on if you're interested in the release. And the beta test. And the beta test, yes. If you sign up for our newsletter, you will get the beta test game before anyone else gets it. So that's a little incentive. We hope you'll sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram at airhairs. You can leave a comment to this podcast. There's a way to call in, which I'm going to figure out how that works, but I know that's possible. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear feedback and ideas and questions about Air Hairs. And we really appreciate you coming along on this journey with us. And the one thing I want to mention before we sign off is, as someone that has been very interested in other intellectual properties and engaged in fan fiction and writing of these properties, I believe that fan fiction and spec script writing by fans is truly a dialogue with the creator, whether it's fan art or fan fiction or anything like that. I think it is a conversation that truly hasn't been tapped into and it's going to be a big part of the air hairs community we'll talk about that in a future episode but if you're interested in the world there will be a community for you to engage in and to have your stories be heard building community is an important part of air hairs that's one thing that captain rabbo's doing and that's something that we want to do too around this world That's all for episode one. That's all for episode one. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll go to airhairs.com and follow us on Instagram and share this podcast if you liked it. We'll see you soon. What's our sign-off? Hold on tight. Hold on tight.